This morning's scripture reading is taken from the 8th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed, and instantly the leprosy disappeared. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home, because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said, He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with the waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus responded, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. When Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake, in the region of the Gardenes, two men were possessed by demons, met him. They came out of the tombs and were so violent that no one could go through that area. They began screaming at him, Why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding in the distance, so the demons begged, If you cast us out, send us into that herd of pigs. All right, go, Jesus commanded them. So the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town, telling everyone what happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the entire town came out to meet Jesus, but they begged him to go away and leave them alone. Matthew 8, selected. The first night of the retreat, I talked about this, about how Jesus, when he was on earth, his ministry was healing people supernaturally, miraculously, and casting out their demons. And that night I said, so that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to heal you and cast out your demons in Jesus' name. Because I pointed out, there's multiple places in the Gospels where Jesus says to his followers, you know, so he makes disciples. What are disciples? Those, like his, 
his mentees, you know, the people who uh, I'm doing. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And it's very clear, if you read the Bible, you can't be a disciple of Jesus at all if you're not doing the stuff he did, if you're not healing people's diseases and casting out demons. And in what sense are you a disciple? That goes for everybody, but certainly if you're a so-called minister of Jesus Christ, like I am, you know, if you're a prof- and you don't do the two things that he did, the two things that he told you to do, I said, well, that's kind of, that's kind of silly. And so I kind of repented of that. I said, you know, sorry, I haven't been doing the, the main stuff I'm supposed to do as your pastor. I'll start tonight. We, um, and we did. We started that night. And what I said was, I'm not going to talk about anything else. Uh, every time I have a chance to, to speak for a while, uh, because we've been neglecting this, so we need to talk about it. Um, and I haven't, one was after the retreat, there was a lot of hubbub about other stuff, about um, speaking in tongues and people falling down and being incapacitated, lying on the floor for a couple hours. And so uh, I took some time to talk about that and address that. But then the other reason I haven't talked about it much is because I said I'll talk about it every time I have the chance to get up here. And I haven't had the chance to get up here much. Uh, because six or seven weeks ago, the end of the sermon, I yelled at you all and said, get out, get out of the church if, if you're uh, reaching penalty box for that. And, um, <laughs> had some time off. Um, but it actually all connects. It all connects. So to clarify that get out statement and connect it to this, this demon and healing stuff, uh, enemies in the Gospels, not so much the demons, not so much the devil. I mean, yes, but it's really the Pharisees. And what was what the problem with what he was doing? And healing the sick. It bothered them. It bothered them. And it bothered them so much that when he would go to a just couldn't heal the sick, it says, town, because was so religious. Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. Wait, there's one thing that can stop it, and that's religious people. And so I focused on unbelievable type of person you are. If you're a, a, a scavenger, like his background, you know, then you, everybody that, that uh, is always welcome here. Who's not welcome is those who are skeptical of miracles. And the reason those people have to leave because if they don't can't do the thing that Jesus told us to do about demons, the religious spirit. So getting that out is a, a matter of... And what I would like this church to be weak. People can come who are, who are afflicted. Who are afflicted by spirits. Afflicted by... Just come here free in Jesus' name by Jesus' power. They flock to them. And that's what I want church. A Bible lesson that can quote-unquote apply. Can come or where you can bring don't care about religion. At, they aren't even sure they believe in their diseases and sets them free. And they're like, well, that was, that was a thing. That's what this is supposed to be about.
That's, what I, that's what's happened today. I want you to buy something captive. I want you to walk out set free. Just like it happened on the retreat. You know, I said that night, I had never done that before. You know, I was, I was saying, I'm, I'm going to do this. Saying it in, in faith, believing that God would back me up. And he did. The crazy thing is he did. There was, uh, I mentioned this already, that night, you know, some people I prayed for, I was like, ah, I don't know if anything happened there. But one woman I prayed for, I'm like, I know that, that something just left her. I never followed up with her. Uh, and I kept meaning to, to confirm him. I was going to talk about this today. I uh, was planning on talking about this subject this Sunday. Specifically, the, the demon aspect of it, more so than the healing of the diseases. But then I was kind of like waffling on Friday. Because, um, you know, I know you all think that I'm just trying to choose like controversial subjects that nobody wants to hear about. But it's actually not true. Like, I I've thought I was supposed to talk about, you know, demons again. And it's like, oh, man, like, I don't want to be the demon guy. And I'm really trying to come up with, it's, you know, it's spring. And, I was, like, I, I know, like, I, I did this for a long time. Like, I know what topics work at the right time of year and the moods people are in. And, so I was like trying to write this message on like the love of God. I really was like, like that'll be that'll play well. Love of God. Um, and then I get an email from that woman who I haven't talked to, uh, haven't emailed with had that night. And she said, uh, "Hi Ryan, hope all is well. I wanted to reach out. This is two and a half months ago now. Out of the blue on Friday." wanted to reach out to tell you that when you pray for me at the retreat in March, that I definitely, most certainly, received healing in that moment. You prayed for a spirit of depression to be lifted from me, and that's exactly what happened. Before you prayed for me that evening, I don't think I ever had the right words to describe all my adult life. I'd been diagnosed with major depressive disorder over four years ago, but I had been struggling with severe bouts of depression ever since I was 18. When you told me about the verse from Isaiah 61, I somehow felt that my time for healing had come. Since the retreat, I felt a lightness in my body, my mind, and my spirit that I honestly have never felt before. The first thing I noticed was the absence of dark that used to be ever-present for me. And that's just one example. It feels as though there had been something poisonous attached to me that has now been not only neutralized, I've been meaning to reach out to you for some time now, and I felt like I definitely needed to tell you about this. I give all praise to God for providing the power to heal, but I want to thank you for being his messenger, his hands and feet that brought the healing to me says this for the spirit of heaviness in the place of the spirit of heaviness it will give you a garment of praise she used the word and that's fine uh, healed works I would I would use the word delivered you know she was set free from this 
this spirit. Uh, and it often goes together. You know, Jesus heals and delivers. He tells his disciples to heal and deliver. Package of salvation. You know, you say, Jesus saves. Saves from what? Saves from all this stuff. And often the physical diseases go with some impure spirit or something demonic. So often when a person is set free, they are healed, you know, of something physically. Whichever word you use, healed, delivered. And she said, it happened for me. And you say, well, maybe, you know, that's the power of positive thinking. Well, F you, <laughs> you know? I mean, well, like, <laughs> you just wake up and see the world for what it really is. Power of positive thinking. An MD. This person has an MD and a PhD, by the way. Power of positive thinking. is not what it looks like, but the most real stuff that's all around you. And it's what runs your life. And you have to address it. I was thinking about, you know, stuff you can't see. We talked a few weeks ago about wounds, about a to have a wound that heals and becomes a you know, And then your, your scar can be a good story. You don't want to walk around with an open wound because it gets infected. And I was thinking about, well, why does an open wound? Why is that a big deal? All this invisible stuff. And it'll kill you to let it in. All these spores, all these viruses. It sounds like a myth, doesn't it? Like, if you know, I was up here talking about, oh, yeah, there's these trillion with an open wound because it'll get in there and it'll get you. It's completely crazy. Mental reality. Like, this is all these invisible stuff. And now, for the first time in the history of mankind, you know, a couple hundred years ago or whatever it was, now we've got a little device where somebody can finally prove it. But guess what? It's been running human existence the whole time. Whether we had a microscope or not, it was always there. It's like the microscope then made all that stuff appear. That was always determining life and death. This invisible stuff. Well, I'm not going to wait until they invent a demon microscope before I believe what is just obvious from living with human beings What's obvious from the testimony of human beings over thousands of years, what's obvious from the testimony of the Bible? I don't know what they look like. I just know there's a lot of them. Just like bacteria, just like viruses. Speaking of viruses, <laughs> uh, this past fall, for some reason, for the first time in my life, mid-30s, all of a sudden, I have to know this. I've never cared before. I have to know, I'm thinking, I don't really have a good handle on the difference between a bacterial disease. Like, I know there's a difference. I know bacteria, I know viruses, I know they're two different things. Like, I don't, like, if somebody asked me to really explain the difference, I don't know if I could. And I kind of knew bacteria was just like a little critter, you know, but I was like, what is a virus? Here's what I thought it was, a little critter, you know, got a little tail sometimes, you know. <laughs> so bacteria makes sense to me, and it, it, it kind of even makes sense just in like evolutionary theory. 
uh, it makes sense that so you've got these little critters live and sometimes them trying to live gets in the way of you trying to live and sometimes it helps you and you know whatever it's a it's a system that's bacteria so they look at viruses have you ever done this have you ever looked up viruses have you ever looked up any idea what a virus looks like bacteria looks like a little critter it's all weird shaped and you know like you'd expect a virus viruses like you know different different shapes and different forms but they're all they're, uh, they look like bombs they, they look like tech. They do not look organic. They look like these little bombs. They've got like, all these little spikes all over them. And uh, they're not living. But they need a living host. And when these little bombs that aren't living, that need a living host, get into that living host, then the little, the little bomb starts replicating itself and it has this code in it, this destructive code. And it goes from cell to cell, multiplying to take over the host. But it's not alive. Does that sound evil to anybody else? <laughs> it's not evolution. That's just evil. So I'm like, where, where did viruses come from? Turns out nobody knows. Nobody knows, and there's not even a decent theory. Like, it's just, like, there's just these wild guesses, none of which really make sense, of these evil bombs that aren't alive, that take over host organisms, that multiply to destroy the organism. No purpose for them to exist. There's no evolutionary explanation. Nobody knows where they came from. Viruses. In your body, and same thing in your soul. The same thing. The devil wants to mess up God's creation. He does it through us fighting each other, but he does it through his own means, his own ways, his own methods. Viruses. The word demon, Greek word, I mean, it's a, you know, we don't know how to translate the Greek word demon, so we just put demon in the English. But the Greek word has baggage, because the Greek word demon that the New Testament writer, uh, that, you know, comes from like great souls of the departed uh, heroes of old. Uh, so for me, it's, it's cleanest to think about it, or clearest, rather, to think about it, just the word spirit, which is the word that's just a spirit, an impure spirit, or an evil, it's a spirit. It's just a personality, a being without a body. You know, so we've all got spirits, and if you die, your spirit gets in and gets reunited again without a body. Our spirits in the world, every in the beginning of time, up until the knowledge that there are spirits all around us. Go James is just the word spirit, you know, Holy Ghost, personal viruses all around. You can't see them. And what the Bible says is 
the exact wound, an open sore. It's like a wall. A wall, you will, question of whether you will get stuff coming in through the air into that, in through that hole into your body. It'll happen. What the Bible says is this is the exact same thing with spirits, with your soul, with, with, your, with your spirit. If you've got a wound in your heart, if you've got a wound in your soul, and you're walking around just in the normal world, the normal world is infested. It's, it's, there's spirits everywhere. Something's going to come in. Something's going to get into you through that wound, through that hole. It's just inevitable. And so, just like if you're ignorant of spores and bacteria and viruses, you're going to have a lot of problems. Same thing if you're ignorant of impure spirits. If you're ignorant of, of demons. Because you're not going to patch up the hole. And it just comes right in. The other image, this isn't from the Bible. But switching from something microscopic to something slightly larger, it's easier for us to picture. The other image that I feel like God has given me when it comes to impure spirits is uh, the metaphor of like vermin, pests, rodents. Uh, our, the super at our building is uh, one of the most incompetent uh, professionals it's stunning um, he says he used to manage the Chrysler building we highly doubt that um, but Brittany uh, being the trusting person that she is still continues to uh, call upon this guy in moments of need even though he has never come through for her once so uh, you know six months ago she was walking up to the front door of our apartment building. It's like, a, you know, it's five units, small building. And there's a big rat standing there on the, in the lobby looking at her. And so she, she freaks out and she calls the super and she says, Michael, oh, my, uh, there's a rat in the lobby. And Michael says, you, like in the inside of the lobby or like on the outside of the lobby? And she's like, yeah, I'm calling you because there's a rat on the sidewalk. <laughs> right. She says, no, there's a rat on the inside of the lobby. He's like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll take care of it. Well, you know, obviously it doesn't. We called the, the pest company finally. and So they go down in the basement and, the, the, you know, the guy's down there for an hour or whatever and then comes up and talks with us. And he's like, um, this is an impossible situation. <laughs> he said, there's, there's rats everywhere. He said, it won't do any good. The floor is completely rotted through. You know, they've got nests everywhere. There's so much junk down there. Um, you know, I mean, this is like they, you have to totally redo the floor and, um, you know, whatever. So, uh, <laughs> they, did set the, they did set the traps, and uh, I don't think they ever redid the floor. They got rid of the nests, and there hasn't been much of a problem. Uh, Recently, but what it made me think of is like that's how it is, where you got these holes 
And if there's holes, it's like being, being a human is like being a building in New York City, you know? Like, rats will come in. And what this, uh, they would prefer to have a nice, damp, dark corner of your soul rather than just be floating around. You know, you saw that in the passage even. They're like, when Jesus comes, they know Jesus is going to cast them out. And they're like, at least let's go into the pigs. You know, they want a place to live, just like rats. They, they want a nice place to live. If you let them live in your house, they're going to live in your house. The other thing, if you let one in, because he goes and tells the it's cozy, and the person that owns it, it's like that, is a multi-step thing, you know, depending on how bad the infestation is. Uh, Logan has pointed out, that this phrase we use, demon-possessed, original language, uh, this kind of awkward verb, demonized. To me, the terminology that makes the most sense is to talk about being demon-inhabited. Well, you're not possessed. You're not owned, living in your kitchen. He just happens to own you. Comes in when... It, uh, so Jesus, with these guys in the passage, comes up and... The demons in the guys, not the guys themselves, the demons in the guys start talking. So they are different than, they can speak, you know, their they're personality, uh, use words, uh, don't cast us out there. And they say, well, allegiance. So if you got 2,000, then it does start to feel kind of like possession, you know, because so in the apartment. I possess this house. At one point, it kind of gets a owns the house. We don't go in those seven rooms because of the bad. It is kind of like possession. So at that, that's where you get the weird stuff. These cutting themselves and living in a tomb. Crazy. That's a really bad. That is like the most extreme case of demons in your house. Don't have one or two, and that life wouldn't critters. Out. Bad timing for this sermon. Spring cleaning. You know? It gets sunny and you pull up light streaming in. You open the windows around here. You know? And what's this little nest? There's no shame in it. Because it's all of us. You know? It's, it's, it's like the... We think about... It's still... The Exorcist, you know, it's been 30 or 40 years, but people are still thinking of The Exorcist and like this, like, crazy, freaky, like, turning green and your head spinning around and vomiting and, again, maybe in extreme cases, but that's not what it is for most of us. For most of us, it's just an annoyance, a pest. And often, you didn't do anything. It wasn't your fault. You know, going back to the wound thing, uh, if you get wounded, then it's like, it's your fault, especially if you didn't know. Well, that's how it happens with us. Usually the, the wound that the, these impure spirits get in through usually was inflicted by somebody else. And then nobody told you that you had to seal it up, and you didn't know. You didn't know that rats are going to inevitably come. So, it's not a shame thing. Logan talked about 
getting some demons cast out of him. I'll tell you this, you know, it's a couple I've got of me. I even know their names. And I can't get them out. You know, they're dug in. They're stubborn guys. And uh, I'm working on it, you know. I'm praying about it. I'm reading more about it. I'm going to get some other people to pray for me. I'm going to get them out because it's like, I don't want this. I'm here right now preaching to you about demons. I've got demons. It's not, they don't possess me. It's not like they can stop me from preaching God's truth. They just annoy me. They just make my life less fulfilling, you know. It's not possession. It's just something to deal with. And I think for some of you, some of yours are less dug in. So, you know, for some of you here today, we could try to cast them out, and maybe they'll hold on tight. You know, they'll have to go to step two or step three. For others of you, it's actually a lot simpler, like the woman talked about at the retreat. That was a five-minute prayer, and it completely changed her life in five minutes. Now, what she also said in the email was, I've had to stay clean. I've had to stay free afterward, you know. So, she, you know, it says spirit of uh, heaviness traded for a garment of praise. She's praising, keep, keep thanking me. So she does that now. And she used this great example, great illustration. She says, to me, it feels like the difference between surgery and physical therapy. She's like, the, the, when you cast the demon out, that was like the surgery, you know, and that was dramatic and it had to happen. And no amount of physical therapy was going to be able to do that. But then now after that's done, I still got to do the work of, you know, kind of staying fit. Exactly right. Being set free versus staying free. Back to the, if you're invested, the first thing you got to do is kill them all and get them all out. It doesn't matter how much you patch up the holes and uh, remove the food sources if you don't do that. But then you got to patch up the holes. You got to keep them patched up. You know, you got to keep on top of it. And it's this question of, for me, it's this question of, are you going to take responsibility for your own house? The Bible talks about our bodies or our souls as houses. And it's like, who, back to this, you know, whose house is it? You or the rats. What does it mean to just be a man or to be a woman or to be a homeowner? and say, no, I'm not going to let you live here anymore. In terms of the types of things we're talking about, just talk about this. This woman talked about depression. That's certainly a spirit, a spirit of heaviness, a spirit of depression. That verse in Isaiah 61 that talks about that, first guy I heard talk about this was a guy named Derek Prince. He was... Uh, Cambridge student in the 40s, did a PhD in philosophy, wrote his dissertation, Army, World War II, radical encounter meeting Jesus. He came, tried everything he could. And all of a sudden he read that verse one day about sickness, and he said it like leapt off the page at him. And he thought of this other verse in Joel, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. And so he called on the name of the Lord, and he felt it leave him. So depression, of course, it can be, but it could be all kinds of psychological, psychiatric, um, 
again, like Logan said, I mean, there's not a place for psychology. This stuff is, if it's a bacterial and you're treating it like it's viral, well, if it's an impounsel your way out of, you can do that all day. The thing I've talked about a lot is addictions. It's not all, but most addictions are the result of an impure spirit. And again, it's like the minister from this time ago. As man, even, you know, I've been working more in college. You know, I've been a pastor. To, uh, so in that sense, I've been... And you probably know this. You... Not guys, uh, and then, like, it seems of guys in the church, like, serious top-looking at porn. Like, I, I try, and I just can't stop. I can't stop. And so we, like, companies to make web filters, you know? And all these, like, really complicated things. It's like, why don't we just address the problem? Hear it within you. Who's to do what it wants? It's every, every culture. Ghosts. On a church street called Hungry Goat. Um... Hungry ghosts that you just eat and you eat. You always want more of that. You know, so whatever that addiction is, whether it's alcohol or gluttony, spirit of gluttony, you know, just keep wanting to eat for no reason. Lust. Is it sin? Yeah, it's sin. Are you at fault? Yes, you're at fault. And at the same time, Dealing with it is about more than just repenting and confessing and resolving. Because you can't stop. Why? Why? So addictions, moods, you know, anger, you know, these fits of anger. Out of nowhere, you're yelling. At your wife and your kids. Gotta get some medication for that. Gotta see a therapist about that. What if there's somebody in you that likes to yell? And all sorts of other stuff, you know. I'm not an expert on this subject. I don't even know what these things are, honestly. You know, are they fallen angels? I don't know. Are they? This one weird thing that happens in Genesis six, right before the flood, uh, where some of the angels—this is real—some uh, of the angels come and have sex with human women, and so then their offspring are called the Nephilim, uh, and they're giants, you know, because they're like half angel mythology stuff. A lot of this stuff is rooted somewhere in fact, you know. And so, one of the theories about why the flood had to happen was to wipe most of these guys out. Because God's like, this wasn't, you know, we're supposed to be all these Nephilim. It also explains, you know, uh, when the Israelites go into Canaan, and God says, I want you to kill everybody. People really have a problem with that. Well, the Canaan was inhabited by the Anakim, which were the descendants of the Nephilim. So these are still kind of these weird, not folk and so that kind of explains why, why the warfare is so intense. Anyway, uh, I lost all of you just now, I think. 
I had you. I had you. You were, you were buying it, and then I started talking about the Nephilim and the Anakim. I knew I shouldn't have done that. Um, it's another theory about what these impure spirits are. It's the spirits of these, these Nephilim, you know, that were from the earth. Uh, I don't know what they are. I don't know what they look like. I don't know how big they are. I just know there's a lot of them. And I know that I've got some in me, and I know that you've probably got some in you. And I know that Jesus came to set us free. God intended for us to be able to take care of these things on our own. Have some self-respect. Be a homeowner. Have some dignity. Take care of your own house. So he says to Adam, rule the earth and subdue it. And it's funny. We talk about Eden as this perfect place. And it was kind of, except that there was this snake there. So it's not totally perfect. And... What we know is that before the devil turned against God and the fallen angels. and So one theory about rule the earth and subdue it is that outside of Eden, it's kind of chaotic. And that God wants Adam and Eve to, to kind of move outward from Eden and expand Eden over the whole earth. Maybe even that there's demons outside of Eden. And that the whole point was God learned to stand up for ourselves. It's like, why is life so hard? It's a very silly question. It's like asking, why does a movie have a plot? Otherwise, like, God wanted us to be like him and fight, rule the earth, and subdue it. And he specifically says to Adam, I put all the animals under your subjection. You know, take dominion over them. Bring order out of chaos. First animal that comes along, you just something to Adam, and Adam does the animal. And everybody's... So then Jesus... God says, you know, get, put them all over us. And so Jesus says, okay, I'll go. I'll go. And Jesus, which is what Adam should have done. We didn't, because we were too lazy. Crushing the head of the serpent underfoot, why? And run all over us. And we're so weak at that point. You know, we had sold ourselves into slavery at that point. We never had any of that. Sheds his blood with the devil. Set to what? All to restore dignity. As son made in the image of God. Saying, authority on earth. You're a human. These are just rats. I died for you. I died. But then Paul says, it is for free. In other words, he didn't go on the set his blood just so we could let the rats run off. It's only because of him, because of him breaking the grip. Because of him. We can't. We'll close like we always do. During the simple prayer, you can say yourself. I'll rebuke this en masse like I did the retreat at the end of the time of prayer. So the, it, it, there you only get the low-hanging fruit ones, you know, rid of and more dug-in ones. And then step two. Targeted extermination. Our team is growing 
in this spiritual gift of being able to discern the spirits, just like with that woman I knew who was a spirit. We're getting better at it, at knowing what the spirit is and being able to tell it to leave. And like with a dog, you know, if you know its name, it's easier to, to tell what to do. And so, you know, it's not even, you know, that's, that won't even do it. And so what I'd like to do is, we haven't scheduled this yet, but I'd like to schedule like a Saturday and uh, get a room somewhere, maybe here, or maybe at the office. You just have six or seven hours where you can come, and if it takes a couple hours for us to get it out, we'll get it out. Because God wants you to live free. He wants you to live free and clean and unencumbered, not weighed down by this stuff. He wants you to have your own house that's possessed by only one spirit, and that's his. No spirit but his. No spirit but the Holy Spirit in your house. So let's pray. I'll guide you through this prayer, and I just pray it in your, your heart along with me, or the more serious you are about it, maybe you want to mumble it or whisper it or at least mouth the words, just say this. Say, God, I only want your spirit living within me. Say, let some other spirits in. I don't know exactly how they got in or when they got in, but I know they're there. I know it happened because of hurt in my past, some wound that was opened in me. And God, right now, I want to forgive the person that hurt me. And just take a second. If you don't forgive, you can't close up the wound. Just say their name. I want to forgive this person or that person that, that hurt me and opened up this wound to let these spirits in. And then, the, then say this to the Lord. Say, dear God, and I also know that I agreed with it. I let it stay. At first, I even liked it. I did what it told me to do. And I know this was wrong. And so I want to confess. I want to confess and ask for your forgiveness. Then say, what I deserve is just to be left in this sorry state of affairs. But I know that Jesus, you came to set me free. And so, I know that you had to shed your blood to pay for my sins and to set me free. And I'm sorry. But I'm thankful. So, I claim that blood is the power that can cleanse me. The power that can break these chains. And God, now that I, I ask that, that by the power of your spirit in Jesus' name,
I want these spirits to go. I want these unclean spirits, these impure spirits, these demons to go. Now with your head still bowed, I'm going to talk to the, the spirits in the room, just like Jesus did, just with a simple command. So, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever your names are, these impure spirits that are here within our church, within God's children, what, what, what were you thinking coming in here today? This is God's house. This is a place where Jesus, the guy you're afraid of, guy who sealed your judgment with his death on the cross. That Jesus. You know him too. Now, that's why I am Jesus. I leave these good people alone. In the name of Jesus, you impure spirits, I leave. And don't come back. You're your subject belong to Christ. And you're so leave now. We'll now head into and you can do a couple of things. You can come in, which again is the power that as you take the, the body of Christ. Take it with faith. Let it cleanse you by faith. Let it drive out the spirits within you by faith. His blood. And the other thing, as I said, is you can go and receive prayer. We would love to pray for you. And, you know, it doesn't have to be about this. You know, it could be about anything. But especially about this today. We'd love to set you free and help you clean up your house in Jesus' name. Or if it's sickness and you like prayer for healing, we'd love to do that too. This is what Jesus came to do, to destroy the works of the devil, to heal our diseases, to set us free from affliction. So whatever it is, you can go to the back and receive prayer. Come and take communion. Either of those things now as we sing.